of one thing uh, I'm very sure, certain this morning, is that each one of us in this church has gone through difficult times. There is no one excluded here in the church. And, and those difficult times that we experience on a personal level are those times that we wished would finish, that it would end. When it goes on and on and on, we begin to lose hope. You know that feeling. This is a common human experience. Luke's readers, the, the, the readers that, that Luke wrote to, saw all kinds of horrible things that happened around them. And when they read Luke's version of the story of Jesus here in the temple, they knew one thing. Jesus was the true prophet. Jesus' words were fulfilled. Everything that Jesus predicted here already happened to the readers of the Gospel of Luke. In chapter 21, verse 6, we read, As for what you see here, referring to the temple, the time will come when not one stone will be left on another. Every one of them will be thrown down. The temple where Jesus sat when he spoke these words, the center of their religious life, the place where God and humans met, has been destroyed 70 after Christ. Just as Jesus predicted. The people experienced before that uprisings and wars before the temple was destroyed. They experienced the consequences of war, famines, and pestilence. The stargazers were looking at signs in heaven to see if this was predicted. Listen what Jesus said. It's been fulfilled. Nation will rise against nation. It happened. And kingdom against kingdom. It happened. There will be great earthquakes. It happened. Famines and pestilences in various places. And fearful events and great signs from heaven. It happened. Furthermore, they experienced massive persecution. I'm sure that the report was going around that there was a man with the name of Stephen who was stoned to death by the Jews. Families were torn apart because some of them believed in Jesus and others not. Listen to what Jesus predicted. They will seize you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and put you in prison. And you will be brought before kings and governors. 
You will be betrayed even by parents, brothers and sisters, relatives and friends. And they will put some of you to death. It all happened. In circumstances like this, they needed encouragement. And we all know that when we go through those difficult times, we need encouragement. Jesus said that there would be people appearing, trying to bring that encouragement. And it indeed happened. Many people came and said, I am he. I come in the name of the Lord. And you know what? The time is near. The end is near. I am the Messiah. I promise you deliverance from all these bad things. Put your hope for liberation in me. There were many figures in the first century doing that. The end is near. I've, I'm sure you've heard this many, many times and at different stages of our lives. And as part of the argument and predictions, people quoted verse 10 and 11. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, famines, pestilences, various places, all those kind of things. The end is near. In many cases, dates were even given. And then a next one, and a next one, and a next one. Based on these signs. What's Jesus' response to all of this? He says, watch out that you are not deceived. For many will come in my name claiming, I am he, and the time is near. Do not follow them. They got it wrong. They misunderstood. Jesus says that if you see these signs, it actually means exactly the opposite. This is only the beginning The end is not near. Listen to what he says. When you hear of wars and uprisings, do not be frightened. These things must happen first, but the end will not come right away. The end will come, but not immediately. In Revelation chapter 6, we read about different horses with different colors. And what it says is that until Jesus returns, there will be wars, famine, plague, death. That's part of the reality of what we have today. We live in this reality. It will not go away. It will be there. John MacArthur, I heard this week, compared the world 
to the Titanic. It's going down. The young people may think that this is very pessimistic. You have no future. Well, I tell you, this world is not giving us any future. It's going down. It's a sinking ship. That's what the Bible says. Things will not necessarily get better. It will get worse. These signs are not the signs of the end. This is the signs of the age in which we live. This is not very helpful, is it? We would like to have a bit of encouragement. We would like to have a quick fix of the problems we have in the world. We would like someone to appear and say, the end is near. The time is near. So what should be our response to this reality be? How should we respond? What should we do knowing all this? Listen to what Jesus says. Stand firm and you will win life. This is not about toughness. This is not about having a good character. This is about standing firm in your loyalty to Jesus Christ in the most difficult circumstances. Listen to what Jesus says. They will seize you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and put you in prison. And you will be brought before kings and governors. All on account of my name. This is about followers of Jesus Christ. This is not about general suffering. This is about suffering for the sake of Jesus Christ. People will hate us. Because of Jesus. This will happen on a religious and a state level. You'll see people will be brought to synagogues, Jesus says, where the religious leaders will judge them. Also before kings and governors. Everybody will hate the Christians. We see it in the early church when Peter and John were taken to prison. The apostles were arrested. Stephen was stoned to death. Saul persecuted the church. James was killed. Everything Jesus predicted happened, came true. And this persecution even ran through families. You will be betrayed even by parents, brothers, sisters, relatives, friends. And some of you will be put to death, Jesus says. That's how severe people will hate the Christians. 
stand firm. And you will win life. That's what Jesus says. The implication is quite clear. If you don't stand firm, you will not receive life. It's very serious. If you're not standing firm for Jesus, you will not have life. So where do we get the strength and the courage to stand firm from? Where? where, where? How can we do it? How can we go on in difficult times? The first reason is because our eyes are fixed on the living Christ, not on temporary things. Jesus speaks in the temple to the people. The temple was the place where, where people heard about the liberation of God. They were reminded of the exodus and all those wonderful events in the past. And listen to the disciples. Some of his disciples were remarking about how the temple was adorned with beautiful stones and with gifts dedicated to God. But these words follow directly after we read how the rich people came to the temple and gave their gifts while a poor widow gave everything, everything she had. Yet what the disciples saw in their blurred vision was a building, a beautiful temple. And they missed the point what it symbolized, the presence of God. Jesus exposes the blurred vision of the disciples. It makes it clear that those who focus on outward things will be disappointed. And therefore, he says in verse 6, As for what you see here, the time will come when not one stone will be left on the other. Every one of them will be thrown down. This building means nothing. Nothing. This is not the kingdom of God. This place where you celebrated and heard about God's liberation, this place will be destroyed. This is an echo of chapter 19, where he speaks not only about the temple, but the whole Jerusalem. They will dash you to the ground. They will not leave one stone on another. Why not? Why will this happen? Listen to what Jesus says. Because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. You missed the point. You had the wrong vision. Centuries earlier, Malachi wrote the following. I will send my messenger 
who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will come, says the Lord Almighty. But who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire and a launderer's soap. Jesus says, your, he's the messenger appearing in the temple. He says, it will be destroyed. This meeting point is not the temple, but Jesus. The destruction of the temple will be a judgment on their blindness, their blurred vision. Because the old dispensation of a building and sacrifices will be gone because of Jesus' coming. And your relationship, he says, is not with the temple, but with the one who dies for you and who will be raised on the third day. They will dash you to the ground. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. Our eyes are fixed on the risen Lord who through his body rebuilt the temple of God, the people of God. It's not on temporary things. And because our eyes are fixed on him, we have this ultimate loyalty just to him, not on external things. So where do we get the strength from? Because we have the right vision. We are committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. But secondly, because we see every opportunity that we get in a world like this to be witnesses. Listen to verse 13. And so, in these circumstances, when they bring you before all the governors and, 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 and all the courts, you will bear witness, testimony to me. When the, when the people at the school challenges you about what is this? What is this Christian thing? You will bear witness to Jesus. When the people at the work say, what is this? Why, why do you act this way? You will bear witness to Jesus. In Acts 5, we read that Peter and the other disciples were taken by the Jewish leaders and they said, we must obey, obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. You must decide whether we're going to shut up about that. But we cannot. 
We are witnesses of these things, he says. And so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. In 1 Peter chapter 3, Peter is a letter about the suffering of Christians. It says, But in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. I said yesterday when we did training for auxiliary ministers, referring to uh, Christianity or discipleship explored, uh, this, this course where uh, a young man worked at a specific um, company and, and he was a devoted Christian. He never spoke about it. And then he got another job and, and he left and at the farewell party people said to him, you know, we were thinking about you. You're such a nice guy. You're such a nice person. We were thinking, why is that? And we all agreed that you must be a Buddhist. Because he never opened his mouth for Jesus. You must be a nice guy. You must be something else. In your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. And then be prepared to give an answer to everyone about the hope that lives in you. Stand firm. Stand firm for Jesus. What's the, what's the reason why we can go on? Because we have the right vision. Because we see there's an opportunity. But also, because we will never be on our own Jesus will be with us. Campbell Morgan read the words of Jesus, I am with you to a few elderly ladies. And then he added to them, what a wonderful promise that the Lord gave to us. And one of the elderly ladies said, young man, this is not a promise. This is a fact. He is with us. He doesn't only promise that. He is with us. And listen, Jesus says here, make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourselves before the governors and before the religious leaders. Why not? Why not? For I will give you words and wisdom that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. Like Ezekiel who ate the this, this scroll, ate the words of God. God will put in our mouths the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. We read that when Stephen was speaking before he was stoned, he was full of the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. And then Jesus says, remember not a hair of your head will perish. A 
Apparently, we lose about 100 hairs per day. Some of us don't have any to lose anymore. But, um, but, but what, 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 do, what we do, what, what's the purpose of what Jesus is saying? This is an expression to say, God will protect you completely. Even in death. Even in the furnace, like the three friends of Daniel. Life is difficult for those who follow Jesus. Let's not make it easier. It should be difficult if you stand up for Jesus. On the Remembrance Day, we remember people who have sacrificed their lives, who stood firm for a cause bigger than themselves. They remained faithful until death. They endured. They stood firm. If they changed sides, we would have accused them of high treason. Jesus says that those who really understand the situation in which we are will know that it demands absolute, undivided loyalty to Jesus. Because he made the ultimate sacrifice for our freedom and our total safety into eternity. Yet many people belonging to churches, sitting there Sunday after Sunday, commit high treason against the kingdom of God. They easily change sides when the going gets tough. When the pressure of the community is there. When the pressure of the family and friends are there, they change sides. Their loyalty is not about Jesus. Just like Jesus says, if you don't stand firm, you will lose life. If you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you. A young woman went uh, to her mother and told her that her life is so difficult and things were so hard for her, she wanted to give up. Her mother then took her to the kitchen and, and she filled three pots with water and put it on the cooker. So when the pots came to boil, she placed in the one, she placed carrots, the other one, eggs, and the other one, coffee beans. In about 20 minutes, she finished it. Uh, she, she took out the carrots, put them in a bowl, took out the, the eggs, put them in a bowl, and poured the coffee out in a cup. What happened? She brought her daughter and said, look at this. And the daughter said, 
What, what, is, what does this mean? And she said, what are you? You know what? The carrot went in hard, strong, unrelenting. But when it came out because of the trouble it's been in, what it's been exposed to, it became soft and lost its strength. The egg had been fragile. It had a thin outer shell, protected its liquid interior. But with adversary, in the boiling water, its inside became hard. Did you have a fluid spirit? But when you're challenged with adversary, you've become hardened and stiff. Your shell looks the same, but on the inside you're bitter and tough. And a stiff spirit and a hardened heart. The ground coffee, coffee beans, was a bit different. After it, it was in, in boiling water, it changed the water. It changed the color. It changed the aroma. The bean actually changed the hot water into something else. What are you? What are you when it comes to resistance? When you stand up for Jesus, do you become a carrot, soft? Do you become an egg, hard inside? Look like a Christian, but inside it's all messed up. Or are you like a coffee bean? Changing the circumstances around you with the influence that you have through Jesus Christ who's in your life and who's focus. Jesus calls us to much higher loyalty than any soldier has ever been called. Our primary goal is to stand up for the sake of his name. It doesn't matter what it costs. If we commit high treason here, it's much more costly than a war. Stand firm, Jesus says, and you will have life. If you don't, you will not. Listen to the promises that Jesus gives to every church in the Revelation when he called upon them to stand firm. The one who is victorious will not be hurt at all by the second death. 
Death will have no power over them. The one who is victorious, I will never blot out the name of that person from the book of life, but will acknowledge that name before my Father and his angels. That's what Jesus says about people who stand firm. The one who is victorious, I will write on them the name of my God. They belong to God. I will give the right to sit with me on my throne just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. (coughs) Stand firm and you will have life, Jesus says. Stand firm. Let's pray together. Father, if we look at your son, Jesus Christ, and the ultimate sacrifice that he made for our freedom from sin and death, we are ashamed of our own commitment to you and to the values of your kingdom. We have become citizens of this world and not citizens of heaven. We have higher loyalties than you. Father, bring us back to you. Bring us back to Jesus. To follow him even when the going gets tough. Help us to witness in every circumstances because we have Jesus in focus, not external things. For we ask this in his name and for his sake. Amen.